0: I agree. Well good, I'm glad you agree. Yeah, of course I always agree with you.
1: That's a smart thing to do.
0: <laughs> yes it is. Yes it is.
1: <laughs> Welcome to the Geek and Review the podcast designed to cover the legal information profession with a slant toward technology and management. I'm Marlene Gaybauer.
0: And I'm Greg Lambert. So, Marlene, you notice we got some new music that we're using for the intro?
1: I did. I left that content teaser on our last podcast, so I was glad that we actually got it up and ready for this one.
0: Yeah, I like it. It's uh, some nice little bluesy Americana music. That's good. It is from Jerry David DeSica, and Jerry is a friend of mine through one of my uh, employees, Eve Searles. So, Eve works in our San Antonio office as a research attorney, and she's a A -A double-A-double-O- So it has a little bit of a law library relationship to it.
1: All roads lead back to the library. They all
0: do. And even more, I will tell you this, that Eve's aunt is Eileen Searles, who was the director at the St. Louis University Law School Library for 50 plus years. Wow. Yeah, so a little double law library uh,
1: interaction. Runs in the family too. That's interesting. Very interesting.
0: So I appreciate Jerry and Eve allowing us to use that. I'm going to put a link to Jerry's Spotify account out on the show notes. Well, Marlene, another couple of weeks and another couple of weeks of traveling. Yeah. I got to go up to Boston. I was inducted as a fellow into the College of Law Practice Management at their Boston meeting, and I got to wear a tuxedo for the first time in. Uh, let's just say it's been a long time, and, <laughs> and, and well, it,
1: congratulations anyway. Congratulations for the award and getting into the tux.
0: Thank you. Well, apparently, uh, if you leave a tux in your closet for a long time, it will shrink. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to actually go out and get a new
1: one. I have clothes (laughs) like that.
0: (laughs) The College of Law Practice Management, it's a real who's who in the legal operations world. You had law firm people, you had corporate legal operations folks, you had consultants, you had all kinds of people there. One of the exciting things while I was at the conference was we did have uh, former Harvard Law School Dean, uh, Martha Minow. She is now, I think she's still at Harvard, but uh, her passion right now is she's vice chair of... Of legal Services Corporation, and it's a bipartisan government-sponsored organization that provides civil legal assistance to low-income Americans. And she spoke about how the need for funding of these types of services, and she mentioned something that made kind of everyone shuffle around in their seats, and that was that Americans spend more on Halloween costumes for their pets than we do on assistance for low-income Americans when it comes to legal
1: representation. Yeah, that's definitely cringeworthy.
0: Yeah, so it, it was an eye opener for us. And then that made me think there was a TED talk about something called the Bail Project. And it follows the story of Robin Steinberg, who runs the Bail Project, which is a nonprofit set up to help post bail for those awaiting trial in certain counties across the United States. There's been a lot of discussion over the past few years on the unfairness of cash bail. And this project is set up to help those post bail so that they can better prepare themselves for their trial and they don't lose their job, they don't lose their children, they don't lose their home, and all the other stuff that comes with sitting in uh, jail just because you can't afford to post the bail. And she mentions that about 90% of the cases that they post-bail for, either get dismissed or the charges get reduced to misdemeanors. My thought was this, as as I was sitting up in Chicago later the next week, I was wondering if there might be some ways to leverage money that associations have that they invest in, say, short-term bonds, and instead invest it into projects like this. You know, it's just something that's sticking in the back of my head. I hope there's more to it in the future, but it's it's definitely a project worth looking at.
1: Yeah. So we've dealt with some you know, very serious topics, and, and now, of course, we're going to, to go to what, what I was looking at for this week. I don't know if you know, Greg, but there is a Katy Perry chatbot out there that you can use through Messenger and Facebook. <laughs> I will admit, Katy Perry is one of my guilty pleasures, so now everybody knows.
0: <laughs> well, that, that makes you happy, and it makes my kids cringe.
1: it's, I was reading about it and I haven't tried it yet, but uh, it was, it was interesting because you have the, the bot is, you know, welcoming you and, and by name and, and there's, they send a gif of, of Katie waving. And then, you know, she tells you how you can interact with her and she sends you music and do, you know, do you like this? Would you like to buy it? You know, it was, it seems like it's, it's very clever and cute and, uh-huh. And and that was that was sort of the key for me and that there we have sort of had this engaging way of of interacting and, and could we somehow capture that? Could we do this in terms of engaging with clients or from an internal perspective when we're we're trying to offer help and or services to the folks at the firm?
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Well, I can see, uh, for example, can you see a firm like what used to be Wombo Carlisle, which is now Wombo, Bond Dixon? Remember, they had the pit bull, or the—I'm sorry—the bulldog as a mascot. So you have your uh, chat box, and you're you're t- you're chatting with the bulldog.
1: All right, but but but, but is it the paperclip? But is it but is it Clippy? It's not Clippy. It is not. It's not Clippy. It's not Clippy. <laughs> it's not clippy.
0: Nobody okay. likes Clippy. All right, Marlene, we've been promoting your talk up at the Art KM conference for a few months now, and I understand that you were up there last week or the week before last. So let how did it go?
1: It went really well. I did a, a presentation, I did a case study on using gamification and and metrics to show adoption success. Those who were in attendance Got to see me very briefly do the Orange Crush from, from Fortnite.
0: I hope they put that on video.
1: <laughs> they did not. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody was ready for that. So I'm I'm happy for that. Uh, it was it was a really good conference. We had a, a nice coverage of of different topics and areas. You know, one thing in particular that I took home was uh, KM revenue generating KM, um, which was kind of a very new topic I think uh, to the Arc mm-hmm. presentation. So that was a good one.
0: And you know our theme here is anytime you can go from overhead to revenue. Mm-hmm. Go, for exactly.
1: go for it. Exactly. Go for it. While I was there, I thought, "Hey, it would be fun to just basically stick my mic in people's faces and you know ask them how CAM is part of innovation." Now, you know, a lot of people ran away, but I managed to corral a few who were willing to share their insights with us. So let's let's take a listen.
2: I'm Vivian Lee Summers, I'm director of knowledge management at Liberty Mutual Insurance. Um, I think knowledge management is a foundation for innovation because knowledge management is all about trying to work faster and quicker and more efficiently and innovation is trying to do the same thing and have new ways to do new things and knowledge management is is a part of that.
0: Hi, I'm Ron Friedman, I'm a partner with Fireman & Company. And on the question of how knowledge management plays a role in innovation, I think at least in two ways. First, if you just look empirically in the market, a lot of the people who are in innovation roles really came from knowledge management because the people who gravitated towards knowledge management tend to have the skills of understanding the practice, understanding the technology, and understanding the business, which is what you really need. So that's more about the people doing it. In terms of the subject matter, KM is really all about content and experience. And those are key factors in a lot of innovation projects.
2: Hi, I'm Phil Rosenthal. I'm the president and co-founder of Fastcase. The question was, how is knowledge management a part of innovation? It's In some ways, it's the essence of it. It's the target of so much of innovation. It's what law firms need more than anything else, is help with knowledge management and more organization, more efficiency, more structure. And it's also a way to guide the innovation process, really, and how you can apply knowledge management techniques to developing the right innovations.
1: I am
0: Phil Bryce, and I'm the Global Director of Knowledge Management at Mayor Brown, based here in New York. Knowledge management has evolved dramatically since the days when legal knowledge management uh, was born, really in the last century. Uh, over 20 years, we've we've had to morph. Into thinking about legal services delivery. You know, we used to think we were just solving the drafting problem. I need to draft an intercreditor agreement. Where do I start? Now we think we're helping to solve business problems. And if we're not, then we're not relevant. So, and I think we're well positioned. Many of the knowledge management people are experienced lawyers. We are multidisciplinary. We think about technology and uh, legal services. So we'll, we're well placed to participate in or lead uh, innovation efforts within our entities. Hello, this is Meredith Williams-Range, Chief Knowledge and Client Value Officer with Sherman & Sterling. And so the question is, how does KM play a part in
2: innovation? in my opinion km is innovation knowledge management in particular has the ability to break down the practice of law and really bring it forward to what the future looks like and that
0: includes not only people but process and technology the three critical components to move that ahead so we can we can do that break that function down look at those three pieces map them
2: together in a totally unique way and really innovate at its core
1: So I think that was a good overview of how KM is part of innovation. I want to say special thanks to Vivian Lou, Ron Friedman, Phil Rosenthal, Phil Bryce, and Meredith Williams.
0: That was it was interesting because they all had a different view of it. I think some were some were more generic, but some were very specific. But the thing is is I think each one of them had a completely unique view of how KM leads into innovation,
1: yeah. well, it it just goes back to, you know, km is so many different things to so many different people. So it's not at all surprising that um given that, it's it's also different in terms of how people think it it impacts innovation.
0: That's absolutely true. the The best and worst thing about km is there is no defined km definition. So keeps it interesting. it, it does. So I actually got to do some more traveling last week. The
1: Wait, what? You got to do some more traveling?
0: I I know, I know.
1: You're so popular.
0: I'm I'm so foolish for saying yes to (laughs) to so many things. Um but I got to go up to Chicago for the fall executive board meeting for the American Association of Law Libraries, and we worked on our new three-year strategic plan for the association that goes from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty-two. Holy Cow, how did we get to 2022?
1: Uh, I don't even like thinking about that number <laughs>
0: oh, man. at all. And I thought 2020 was like so far out. but I know, and it's not. Actually, to be honest, I thought the year 2000 was really far out. So, ah, uh, man. So, anyway, it, it does sneak up on us. So, I went up a little early in the day so I could sit down and have a quick chat with the new executive director of AALL, Vani Ungapin. So, Vani is originally from Mauritius and she went to law school in Manchester, England, and she got her LLM at Stetson in Florida, so she is Definitely been around the globe. She is a very, very interesting and engaging person to talk to, and I'm excited that we were able to get her to talk to us on the on the podcast. Yeah, that's yeah, I, true. And I, I think she's going to be a great addition to WAWL and will bring her energetic personality and her association insights to WAWL. I have to say that she slid right in with the board meeting this week, and she's already got a good grasp of the issues and and the passions of the association.
1: I look forward to seeing her and seeing what uh, she does with the association.
0: All right. Well, let's uh, listen to her interview now. Great. We're joined by Vani Ungapin.
2: Yes. All
0: right. I was was worried I was going to say that wrong, who is the new Executive Director for the American Association of Law Libraries, or AALL, Uh, so welcome.
2: Thank you. Very excited to be here.
0: Good. You started around the middle of October, so you've been here a couple weeks now. So far, what's been the biggest challenge
2: Yes, this is week three for me, and the biggest challenge has been learning about all the acronyms and the SIS, the different SISs there. So I'm, I'm still learning period right now, but I'm enjoying it, and I will, I'm will. i sure I will learn some, and I'll forget about some. but We'll, we'll take
0: it from a 20-year member that uh, I'm still learning a lot of the acronyms, and as soon as you learn them, they'll change something in them. So
2: It'll be...
1: <laughs> so I, I was a PLL
0: okay. member for years. <laughs> and a couple of years ago, we changed it to PLLIP. Oh, and then okay. I was a state court and county uh-huh. law librarian yes. or uh, SCL, SCLL, SCL, SC, uh, See,
2: I haven't even learned that one. I didn't and that, even know. Well, it. that's
0: because it's no longer around.
2: Oh, it's, okay.
0: <laughs> it, it's now the uh, GLL for the government law librarian.
2: Okay.
0: Like I said, don't feel too self-conscious about not knowing okay, all the you. acronyms. That's why the website's there.
2: yes, and I do go there a lot.
0: (laughs) You have a couple of law degrees that you got. You get a law degree from the UK, and you also get your LLM at Stetson. Yes. And so tell me a little bit about why you decided to join uh, the legal industry and a little bit about your history leading up to this point.
2: Okay. I've always enjoyed... The subject of law. And I went to law school because I loved with the subjects, contracts, that was one of my favorite subjects. And I never really thought about practicing. And uh, so I um, got my Bachelor of Laws because um, in the UK, you start as a Bachelor. Um, so from the University of Manchester, and then wanted to specialize and um uh, moved to Florida United States and went and did my LLM which they call it a Master of Laws in international law and business okay. which i really enjoyed coming from a different country Mauritius and um really it was i was really passionate about learning about international agreements and um, things like that. So I really enjoyed my time at Stetson too. I'll
0: have to pull out a map and look in the Indian Ocean where where that is.
2: It's beautiful.
0: I bet it is. is. Uh, After law school, you went into association work?
2: I actually did. I went and um, clerked for a law firm, Pennington Law Firm in Tallahassee for about nine months. And that was there, one of the partners mentioned that the Florida Association of Realtors was looking for someone in their legislative office and he thought I should apply and I'll be good at it. And I was like, I really don't know much about associations. Do you really, really have jobs there and what do they really do? So I did. I sent in my resume, was interviewed and um, got the job. And that was in 2004. I was there for almost 12 years, enjoyed every single minute of it. And I moved to Chicago two years ago for a job at the National Association of Realtors. And that was my conscious decision. You know, my first time entering the association world was something that it was by chance or accident. And then when I moved up here to Chicago, I knew this was going to be my career. It's going to be an association world. I love working with the members. I, I just do. So um, okay. that has been...
0: Well, and and you went through some turbulent times in Florida with the real estate uh, there during the economic downturn, which is now is a decade ago. Yes. On something like that, as I know with real estate, it's very cyclical, but that had to be really anx- an, an anxious time for you at that time. As far as... Demands from members when you have a downturn like yes. that. How does how do you cope with that? And then uh, now we're booming again. Yes. So I imagine you felt both sides of the membership when it's shrinking and, and when it's growing.
2: I did. I did. So when I started at the Florida Association of Realtors in 2004, we were at 200,000 members. And then in um, 2009, we were down to below 100,000 members. Ouch. So it was a big change, right? It's it's It makes everything questionable. It makes the budget, everybody's looking at the budget, do we really need these programs? So it was really, and, and, and a lot of um, people were laid off during that time, too. Almost a quarter of the staff um, were laid off, which was really sad and scary, too. But it made the association go back and look at the core values of the association which was education, because that's going to help the members really get through, those who stay through, because a lot of members were like, I don't want to be a realtor anymore. And so that really helped. It was focusing on education. And also, it really helped us get closer to our members, because it felt we were going through these things with them. They would call, they would be, you know, they... It wasn't complaining, but it's just sharing the stories and how it was really hard. It was a hard time. Right. It, it just was. It's, and selling houses were just – nobody was – right. everything was crashing, basically. The prices and, and as you know, commission was what – for the realtors, it was what how they make their yeah. money. So.
0: Were they looking at the association to help them figure out how do I get back to employment Or what were the needs during a downturn of the membership?
2: It was their education, but also expanding their reach to other potential buyers. And one thing that I was involved with was reaching out to their international buyers. So that was a big thing that the membership felt was important because they were showing that the United States was a great bargain at that time, especially with a currency exchange with the British buyers, right? At one point, it was two to one, right? They were getting a 50% discount when they were buying. So those were the things that we were getting creative about, but also helping the members more PR, more outreach to just letting people know what the value of a realtor is. So that was what the focus was more when everything is going well, you don't really dig as deep, right? Right. If it's going well, if it's everything, everybody's happy and they're coming to the meetings and they're using all the education, it's really, there's really no need. But during that time when everything is questionable, do we need this? Do we need to cut back on this? That really makes you. Look really deep for the value. I can imagine.
0: What uh, drew your attention to this association?
2: I was approached. So I, I was approached by the search company for this association and asked me if I was interested. And I went online, read a bit more about AALL, and was really excited to see first the n- number of programs that AALL offers to the members. And also bringing back my law degrees, right? Right. I get to. Work um, And I understand that pretty much half of the membership has a JD and um, has LLM. So it was really exciting. I was like, wow, I get to use the other part of my um, education in in a new association and also keep the experience that I had working for two association, membership associations, and bring that here. So I, I, you know, it's like I said, it's week three and I've enjoyed it. <laughs> um, and learning.
0: <laughs> I know it's a it's a little bit early, but have uh, the members been reaching out to you since you've arrived? Or
2: I've had a few. I've had a few emails. Not no calls yet, but I've I've received a few emails. But mostly welcoming me. Very nice emails. So <laughs>
0: it, it's a great association. To, uh, the the people are very nice. Thank you. So, uh, <laughs> what are your plans for, say, the, the first 90 days or 180 days uh, to learn more about the association and, and what direction you see it going?
2: I am excited that this week we have the board meeting um, coming up. So that was a great learning experience for me, going through the board book, just looking at the different issues
0: Yeah, it's a struggle for me to go through the board (laughs) book.
2: (laughs) And, um, but I've, my first goal when I started was really meet one-on-one with each staff, which I've done. And my next goal is really to talk one on one with each board member and really see what the vision is. What is it that you have for the future? What is it where you would like the association to go? And I'm excited that we have the strat plan meeting coming up. So because that will give us the base of what we want it to bo- to be the association. And um, we had a staff meeting here yesterday. And I talked to everybody about us after this week using the STRAT plan as a base, but creating a business plan for the association. Um, We offer, like I said, so many programs, but really... At the end of the day, those programs have to bring in revenue, too. And we want it to go up, right? And and we want to make do our best to make sure it goes up. And so really going it from a different side and see, okay, what is the business plan for our membership growth? What is the business plan for our education program? This, that's really... My big goal, I would want it to be, but for the first three, 90 days, it will be really learning, right? right. I, I do have the experience with the association world, but really learning, learning up to know the members, the board the programs just a lot of learning
0: makes sense well it's a good time to come in with the strategic plan yes going through and creating the new strategic plan mm-hmm. so this way you can have your fingerprints <laughs> on it a- along with this board thanks for taking the time to to meet with me
2: thank you we will right. we'll do one a year from now <laughs> <laughs> there we go to <laughs> <laughs> <So> check in <laughs>
0: Well, that was the new executive director for AALL, Vani Ungapin, and it was really interesting being able to sit down with her and discuss her aspects. As you heard, you know, she rode the ups and downs of the real estate market and all all of that that happened while she was in Florida. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how she takes her experience and applies it to this association. I have to tell you that when we were doing the new strategic plan, that one of the discussions that we had at AALL for the board was about generational differences. So we talked about millennials we talked about xers we talked about boomers and attracting in the next generation and everyone kind of like sat up when Vannie mentioned that that she fell in that millennial range so i think it's going to i think that's going to be a interesting view for us so uh, i'm excited to have her on
1: yeah it she has a very varied experience and and i would say probably very different than than uh, we've had in the past with the association leadership. So I think it's great. She's bringing in diversity on multiple levels. And one level that, that you mentioned is is being a millennial. And she'll bring new energy and, you know, perhaps different interests to the forefront that will hopefully appeal to a younger audience.
0: So... Hey, I want to thank all of you, our listeners, for the Geek & Review. Uh, don't forget to click and subscribe the button on iTunes or wherever you listen, as well as rate and review the Geek & Review so that others can find us. You can tweet us at GabeauerM or Glambert if you have comments or suggestions.
1: And I want to say thanks again to Vani Ungapin for joining us. And I'll note that we have some new music that we're playing, so please, everybody, let us know how you like it. Want to say special thanks to Jerry David Desica for his original music.
0: All right. Talk to you later.
1: Bye.